What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. There were certain times where you kind of had to dial it down where you're like, hey man, you got to stay within yourself, like let it happen. Things will happen if you put a good swing on it, you're on time. But there was, I'm not going to lie, there was definitely times where I was like, you know what, it'd be really cool to hit like a three-run homer here. Welcome into another episode of Baseball America's From Phenom to the Farm. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Today we're talking to Jake Lowry, former minor league backstop and newly named manager of the Low A Fredericksburg Nationals. Jake's a guy who I played Little League against in Midlothian, Virginia, and he was behind the plate from the get-go. We talk about his career as a catcher, his college recruitment, and his junior year at JMU, where he went from solid starter, you know, second-team all-conference as a sophomore, to a BA first-team All-American and Johnny Bench Award winner en route to being a fourth-round pick during that massive junior season at James Madison. We run through his pro tenure, going from prospect to sliding into non-prospect status towards the end of his tenure with Cleveland, uh, playing with a teenage Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez, talking about what those guys were like in their first year of pro ball, and what you can pick up from being a role player in the minor leagues that you you might not be able to as well as a regular, and what Jake's going to be taking with him on his second career as a minor league manager. Really great episode. Really appreciate Jake taking the time to stop by. Uh, Episodes from Phenom to the Farm drop every other Tuesday if you enjoy this one subscribe wherever you get your podcast and go check out past interviews we're getting close to the 50 mark and if you haven't yet leave a five-star rating interview on apple podcast or spotify if you're a spotify listener you can rate on there as well also make sure you subscribe to baseballamerica.com and the ba podcast feed for all amateur baseball and prospect news college top 25 list and the corresponding ba college pod just dropped we're really close to college baseball season cannot wait and the ba top 100 prospect list just dropped it is just christmas in january here Always a good time to subscribe to BA. With that, let's talk to Jake Lowry. All right, joining in for today's episode from Phenom to the Farm, he was a fourth-round pick of the Cleveland Guardians in the 2011 draft out of JMU, former minor league backstop and newly named manager of the Fredericksburg Nats, Jake Lowry. Jake, thanks so much for joining for Phenom to the Farm. Hey, man. Happy to be here. Thanks, Kyle. Of course, man. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, before we we dive into your career, obviously, I just said, you know, name manager of the Fredericksburg Nationals with what's going on right now. Obviously, there being a lockout at the major league level, but how are how are you preparing? Because it looks like, you know, we're getting a minor league season as normal with non 40 man players. Yeah. Yeah. We're business as usual, man. So I just talked to the farm director the other day, um, you know, just getting prepared for the uh, for the for spring train mini camp and, and, and go right into spring train. So we're we're business as usual. Um, I'm sure those guys will get that stuff taken care of. Um, sounds like they made some progress today, which is big. Um, but yeah, we're, we're business as usual. Yeah, I think we're all rooting for that to get resolved sooner rather than later. But um, let's dive into your career out of the, the Richmond area high school ranks. When did you first realize that you had a future at the next level, whether that be D1 or pro ball? Um, honestly, man, I would say my freshman year, I was at Melothian High School. Um, I made the varsity team. But I didn't get to hit, so I got DH4. Um, so the coach kind of was like, hey, man, I want you to be on the team. We're going to be pretty good. I want you to just catch. And I was like, okay. So I was like, I'm not going to turn that down. I want to be on JV. 
So, man, you're a pitcher's best friend then. Oh yeah. Pitcher's getting, pitcher's getting to swing it with you catching. I know, man. So I was, it was, I got DH four basically the whole year. I had like 10 at bats. Um, funny thing is we made it really far. We went to the quarterfinals of the States and uh, I got to hit cause we did some, some, the DH got taken. I mean, it was, it was one of those weird moments and I hit two doubles and I'm like, I can't hit, you know, like I'm not that bad. Right. Um, but I would say, I would say my freshman year and going into the, in my sophomore year, just kind of having that like confidence. I was on varsity and playing some big time games and big time, uh, situations, you know, as a 14, 14 year old, yeah, 14. So, um, yeah, right around that. Well, you, you donned the catcher's gear at a very early age. You and I played at the same little league. You're a, you're a year older than me, but you were a catcher even back then, even like 11 and 12 year olds. What, what got you behind the dish and what, what made you stick behind the dish? Because, you know, you could have, could have moved off, <laughs> off the catcher spot if you wanted to. Yeah. I think my biggest thing is I always, I always liked the gear. I liked having extra stuff. Um, I like putting, I liked having gear and like I had just very materialistic. Yeah. Yeah. At an early age, you know, I had, you know, every Christmas I seemed to always get a brand new set of catcher's gear for my dad, you know, Santa Claus and stuff. So, um, I just, I just liked it, man. I really did. I had, I always had like a pretty good arm. Um, but I just liked catching. I just liked being in that position and I think it was just natural and I mean, it was fun. I mean, and it continues to be fun because you get to watch it from, you know, there's no angles on that field when you're catching, you know, like you get to see everything straight on. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to is, you know, my second year managing and stuff as well, you know, being a, being a catcher, former catcher. Well, kind of on that note, you've at this point between playing and coaching, you've, you've had 20 years of, of catching 20 years of, of learning, catching 20 years of teaching, catching, and especially like framing, blocking, stuff like that. How how far have we come is what we teach catchers. What is what is being taught now that is that is different from when you were like 14, 15 years old? See, I always think like I think back then it's like, all right, if I was 14, 15, you know, I feel like a lot of times we just kind of I just kind of learned by watching. I didn't really have like a catching coach or someone telling me what to do. And you can kind of feel like that looks good and then like that looks bad, you know, and a lot of coaches that especially aren't catching guys are like, that I don't know what that technical term is, but that doesn't look good. And then I know that looks good. So for me, just being around the game, I mean, I, I look back at myself and I'm like, man, I, I guess I was like good, but I I didn't know half the stuff I know now. It's just as far as like some of the things that like coaches want to see and like umpires want to see having those kind of relationships. Um, you know, I give a, a ton of credit to like Sandy Alomar, Michael Barrett, um, Randy Nor, guys that I had with the, uh, you know, the Indians and the, and the Nationals just to kind of like learning the game, but, um, running the show, you know, for a lot of guys say, uh, but for me, man, I think back and I'm like, man, I, I don't think I look like that. Did I, you know, like looking at a high school kid, but you're probably like, I, I probably did, you know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, we've come a long way. There's a lot of ways to, uh, call balls and strikes obviously. And, and, and fight for the fight for the strikes, the borderline calls. Um, but I, I, I do pride myself into like kind of being adaptable, and learning, you know, the nuances of catching as we go on every year, not just like, oh, I'm just, I'm an old school guy. That's how it is. It's like, oh man, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta move on. We gotta adapt or die. So. Well, speaking of coaching in high school, uh, starting your junior year of high school, you transferred to a new school to go play for your dad. Right. Uh, at, a, at a brand new, brand new high school. Uh, what are the, what are the pros and cons of having your dad as your high school coach? Like, did you, 
did you guys try to have kind of a separation of church and state, like leaving baseball at the, at the field and like not at home at the dinner table? Or is that just 24 seven in your house? No, no. I mean, the, the big thing is obviously I went to a high school that was in the same district. So, you know, it was a, it was a more of an opportunity for me to, you know, just get better coaching, better academics from what I thought. Um, and my, both my parents were teaching there. So that was able to get the waiver and stuff to go there. Um, and then they kind of like, Hey man, it's a brand new school. We're going to start brand new from the bottom. Um, which is always, which is kind of cool. Um, but I'll tell you what, it was better playing for him than playing against him. I didn't like, I mean, it was so weird, like playing against him. And like, I think back and I'm like, there's probably not a lot of guys that have ever played against their dad, like on a varsity level. Um, you know, so I did it for two years. It was like kind of weird, but also like, I'm not going to tell him things about our team. He's not gonna tell us that, you know, tell me things. So, but I, it was more fun playing with him you know, and, and with the guys I play with than, than against them. It'd be, I guess, kind of like cliche to be, you know, coaching is in your bloodline. But even at that early age, after you grew up with the son of a coach, did you always know you wanted to coach, you know, whenever you were done playing? I think so, yeah. I mean, like you said, you know, it's in it's in my blood. But the biggest, I would say the, the biggest thing for me was, I was like, man, if I can make this a profession, you know, this is something I would love to do after I'm done playing, whether that's, you know, playing for five years, whatever, you know, I got to play 10 seasons of pro ball, but I always kind of gravitated towards coaches because of, you know, being a catcher, you know, being a, you know, guy on the team that someone looks up to, you know? Yeah. I think, it, I think it was just one of those things. I just, I was like, man, if I can do that, that like this guy, that looks like he's having fun and he's like getting the coach baseball and you know, what, you know, what are the benefits of doing this? What, you know, Oh, okay. You get this kind of time off and you know, whatever it was um, especially in college and in the pro ball. So definitely thought it was something I could do, when I was done playing. Well, as you get into your junior, senior year, high school, you start making some noise, you make small state teams, you guys have some some deep playoff runs. As far as recruiting went, were you a got a big box of letters the first day coaches could contact guy or did things come a little slower? No, it, that like July 1st, it was like I was getting a bunch of calls and that was kind of before, you know, guys are committing freshman, sophomore years of high school. So that was our big day. It was like our junior day. You know, right after our junior year, that July 1st. Um, so, you know, we had had some unofficial visits. And one of the good things is I had guys on my team in high school, uh, Ronnie Shaban, Dustin Solers, Tad Bauer, Bradley Shaban, guys that were the same age. We were all kind of going through it together. So it wasn't like, you know, I was the only guy, which was looking back, it's like, wow, we were really fortunate. You know, we had we had great dads and we had good, you know, players alongside to go kind of go through the process together. Um, so that July 1st, they, you know, offers and, and visits and setting up things like that. Um, and I, and I just kind of gave myself like a timeline. Like I was like, I kind of wanted to commit before my senior year, just so I kind of knew where I was going. And that kind of gave all the coaches that kind of like, Hey, I, you know, this is kind of like my timeline. Um, but no, it was cool. It was cool. We were all kind of going through it together. We all kind of had the same plan, which was crazy thinking about it. it, it you know, how, how much talent we had just in our high school team. How do you navigate that with figuring out, especially if you're getting attention from multiple schools and multiple state schools and figuring out that? I know your teammate, Ronnie Shaban, ended up at Virginia Tech. I know where, where, we, grew, where we lived in Richmond is, is big, big Virginia Tech fan base. That's, what I, that's who I grew up rooting for and stuff like that. How, you know, how do you decide this is where I'm going to go visit? What were you valuing in your college decision? No, I mean, we talk, I talk about this all the time, especially to kids is you got to go where you're wanted the most. So, you know, Ronnie and I, Tad, Dustin, we all had similar offers. You know, Ronnie definitely had a couple more. He was a two-way guy. So 
you know, teams were crawling for guys that could hit, you know, left-handed hitter and a right-handed pitcher um, and could be in the middle of your lineup. But, you know, for me, it was like Virginia Tech was perfect for him. It was a situation that was going to be awesome for him. And for me, it was like they had like three other catchers coming in. They had like 20 transfers because, you know, Pete Hughes was going to be the coach. And I was like, okay, like might play, you know, this is just off the bat. Like this offer is this amount. And then you go to somewhere, you go another place and you're like, okay, that's cool. Might be a rebuilding year. But then like JMU was just a place where I had no cons. I, you know, I would always go with pros and cons, just like what you do when you evaluate a, you know, a, a big decision. And there really just wasn't any cons, man. Like at a beautiful campus, I felt wanted, you know, individually I felt wanted. Um, and, and not that, not to say I wasn't wanted other places. I'm sure, you know, I would have been fine other, but JMU was just a place that I felt totally wanted. You know, we could build the program, you know, from behind the plate, we we're going to be strong up the middle and, and we ended up doing great. So um, definitely somewhere where you felt wanted and you felt in your gut and your heart. Um, but academics obviously was a huge role, um, you know, where you can go, where you can't go. Um, but, you know, class size, I mean, it's just a little bit of everything. But, man, I felt wanted there, and, and I, I, I definitely think I made a right, the right decision for myself. So this is hyper niche, but I think it's always interesting to look back when guys have played baseball at a much higher level, um, whether that be college, professionally, how much high school sports mean. I mean, I think that anyone who participates in high school sports is just a different kind of thing versus uh, college. You played, you know, Division One college pro ball. But where do high school playoff games, specifically against another alum of this podcast, Jack Cleary and uh, and James Irvin, as far as you know, where do they stack up as far as the intensity of competition goes? You know, it's almost 15 years right. later at this point. But what do high school playoffs mean for a guy who eventually played at games that, on paper, mean more? Yeah, you're right. That's a, that's a good way to think about it. But dude, I tell you what, man, we remember those like it was yesterday. Like all of us, we still talk about it sometimes. You know, we get together, you know, have drinks or whatever, but. Um, those were intense, you know, especially like James River had just come, they were, they just won a state championship, you know, our junior year and then our senior, they had the same kind of talent. You know, they had guys, they had division one arms, they had guys up the middle, they had, you know, Jack and, and Austin Styler, Daniel Mars, Robert, you know, they had, they had just as many guys, talented position players as we did. And those were fun, man. Like looking back, like we grew up together playing, um, the crowd, the, the, the big thing for us was like, we always had like crowds at a high school game and then you don't really think about it now like there's like man there's only like two stands and we had people like down both lines and up the backstop people standing up um now those those are those are some good memories and you never want to think and say like you know back in my day but then you're like dude back in our day like we were nasty <laughs> you know what i mean so um now those are the, those are you don't forget those so I always like hearing about the first fall once you get to campus because that's it's an interesting thing, both just in general. I think any college freshman, you get to fall, you're trying to fit in, you're trying to figure out, you know, how to do laundry, how oh, yeah. to, you know, how to drink beer, <laughs> uh, just all the, all the, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you're just trying to figure things out, but with baseball too, you're trying to, you know, you suddenly go from, especially someone like you, you're in a leadership position at your high school. Um, you're, you know, you're a pretty big recruit. You get to JMU. You're trying to trying to figure out your place on the team and catcher is a position where leadership is naturally expected. That, that guy has to be a coach on the field, but you're also 18. There's guys on the, you know, on that team who've been there maybe for five years. Oh yeah. Um, there's the, there's the guys coming from junior college who those, those Juco guys, 
they they think that they know everything. Oh yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> so when is it easy to step into that role? Like, I guess what's that experience like that first fall where you're feeling things out, but when you guys are in scrimmages or whatever, like you have to be that commanding presence on the field. Oh, no question. It's funny you bring that up because my freshman fall, I realized like I had so much to learn and I was not as good as I thought and nothing against like my confidence and abilities, but just like, dude, I was like over the first 10 and over 10 in a, you know, a scrimmage, you know, that could be three weekends, you know, you might get two at bats. You obviously everyone's playing, you know, in a pro in a pro ball setting, that might be two games, you know, and like a Monday, Tuesday. And then you're like, Hey man, back out on Wednesday. And the thing I always bring up with that first fall is most guys who are playing college ball, you have played baseball, like you're playing games in high school, you're playing in the spring, obviously your spring season, and you're playing travel in summer and fall, unless you're like a football player. So that first fall is the longest stretch where you're not playing like a ton of meaningful games, oh, yeah. which is weird to get used to. Oh yeah. And dude, I was, I was like, I felt like I was like over my head. You're trying to figure out classes, trying to figure out like the best navigating way to like get lunch, still make it to this you know, individual practice and, and, and whatever. And then you're, you know, you're trying to like meet people and you're not trying to be rude to the people that you went to high school with that you see on campus. You're just like, gotta go to practice or whatever. Like, Hey man, we'll get together this weekend. You know, you're like trying to make everybody happy. So that, that's what I thought I was trying to do. I was, I was trying to like, please everybody instead of like just being myself. And um, as soon as that first semester was over, it was like, I had a, you know, the winter break, we all came back, we kind of did our thing. And then, kind of springboarding in the season where I was like, all right, kind of know what to expect now. I know where this building is. I know, you know, I know where to, you know, go how early to leave on campus and things like that. I know where to eat. <laughs> so, um, but no, super difficult first fall trying to be like super perfect. And, and that's just not the way you gotta be. You gotta just be yourself. In college baseball is where you should do that, that whole long practice. You're, you're fighting for a job for three or four months then you have that break where you're you're basically at home trying to keep things up in the month when everyone's coming back for that first time and there's a lot to do a lot to do and then you it's basically like one month refight for your job figure that out and so as a catcher there's a you know unless you unless you have a buster posey or a you as a junior right there there's usually a bats to go around in that spot where where did you feel like you were you were gonna fit in was there any nerves of like man, I might not see the field. No, I don't think I, I didn't think I wasn't ever going to see the field. I just didn't know how much I was going to see um, coming off like a, you know, like a so-so fall, especially I, I had two older catchers, um, you know, guys that are red shirted a year. So they've been there, you know, they're 22, 23. Um, they've been around They're the older guys. Um, I just didn't know where I was going to fit in as far as like the catching carousel and maybe DH gets some at bats. Um, but I killed it like before, uh, like, you know, the, when we were outside and then into the season, like I, I was just like unconscious hitting, man. It was like, I was hitting like oppo homers and feeling pretty good. It did not, uh, you know, translate as much my freshman year that season, but right before that I was hot, I came out hot and I, I think I, I hit all my home runs before the season started. So I left them all out there against our own competition, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a learning curve, man. That whole year was a learning curve. Something that was kind of interesting for me when I got to college is guys could chirp at the umpire a little bit more. And in high school, everyone's real reserved. You don't usually say anything. I mean, you're, you're a child. You would have to hear from your parents. If right, you said exactly. Something, you know, when, from the umpire. I noticed pretty early on, like guys are willing to, you know, they get rung up on a bad call. You're willing, willing to, to chirp a little bit at that guy. So I am interested in 
you know, you're the guy behind the dish and you, you know, learning to handle that because if you chirp at that guy, you've got to see him in two minutes. Exactly. And, and this goes all the way up from college to, to pro. Well, how did you, is it another thing of just watching how other guys did it or learning ump's tendencies of who I can talk to, who I can't talk to? Like, how do you navigate that? Because while I don't think umps would admit it, it probably helps to have a favorable relationship with that guy. Oh, absolutely. No, you're hundred percent right. Like you got to kind of feel out the umpires, certain guys you'll have midweek games, certain guys you'll have on the weekends. Um, certain guys are maybe like coming off of a pro ball season and they're in college, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, you're right. You got to, you know, you want to have these guys in your back pocket as, as best you can. Um, but in college, I, yeah, you're right. You start seeing some guys like talk back a little bit. You're like, Whoa, like, are we allowed to do that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, dude, this guy, he probably just got out of work, man. He just came for this, you know, two o'clock midweek game. I'm not sure if, you know, if that's allowed to be okay. All right. I guess you can say that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. We had, we would have the the same umpire so often that a lot of times they would know our, our number one chirpers by name. Oh, we, we, we had a guy get called out by name in the dugout. Shout out, shout out my, my buddy Chandler. He got called out mid inning of just like, ump. Yelled in our dugout, Chandler. That's enough. Just, <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. you, you get the you get those college guys <laughs> a lot. But so you, you have that freshman year, your your second year at JMU, you kind of cement yourself as the starter, your second team all CAA, played a bunch of college games, caught against top programs, you know, second team all conference, you played in good summer ball leagues. Where did you feel like you stacked up in terms of college catchers or pro prospects? Um, yeah, like you said, that sophomore year, you know, that fall, um, coming off my freshman summer was another, like, kind of like a struggle. Like we had really, I had a really good team. I had a bunch of, I had some big leaguers on my team, a bunch of guys that played pro ball, but still just, I was, I was just super inconsistent and I kind of had a conversation with my dad and I think he still has the email. We were just talking and he was like, if you want to make this your profession, if this is something you want to do past college which i think i i think you do you know you got to turn it up a notch with your focus your mental you know your mental fortitude your mental toughness and i think that fall going in you know like you said you're kind of a little bit used to everything you kind of know what's going on you know what to expect I had a good fall like you said kind of cemented myself as the number one guy another one of the other catchers ended up transferring to villanova he had an extra year he already graduated um so that kind of you know kind of was able for me to kind of know you know, oh, he's not here anymore. Great guy, Chris Johnson, great dude. Um, but kind of know that I was going to have a, you know, be the starter, you know, play every game. Like, this is what I came here to do. Um, so, yeah, like I had a good season. There was a catcher for UNC Wilmington, Cody Stanley. He was a, also a fourth rounder that year. And he played in the big leagues a little bit, um, long minor league career. But I kind of always compare myself to him. I like looked at him and I'm like, all right, he hits left-handed. He's short, um, you know, 5'10", 5'11". But I was like, if I can do what he's doing, like, I think and he's supposed to get drafted pretty high. Like, I want to do that. You know what I mean? Um, so that was a guy that I always kind of looked at. And we always played Wilmington. Obviously, it's a huge rivalry with us. And uh, it was always fun playing with them. They, they had a ton of pro prospects, you know, just a good series anytime we played them. Um, but that that summer, I had a good summer. I made the all-star team in the with the uh, Coastal Plains League and just was consistent, man. I, I just tried to, like, pride myself on being consistent. Um, I got to stay at home and play in, in the in the Coastal Plains League with, you know, Ronnie Shaban, Bradley Shaban. We had a good team. Um, we were able to – it was a 45-minute drive every day, but we carpooled. We had fun. It was, I felt like we were in high school again, summer ball and stuff. Um, but that summer, I kind of realized, like, hey, we're playing against better competition. 
You got good arms every night. Um, it was fun, but it was also like, I knew what my goal was. My end goal was, and I just felt like I, was, I just kept climbing. So that's probably that sophomore, that sophomore year when I started realizing like, Hey man, I can, I can do this. Before your junior year started though, were you, did you get any scout attention? Did you have guys, you know, sending you the cards to fill out stuff like that? Did you feel like you were significantly on the radar for the 2011 draft? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't ever want to say like, Hey man, I want to be in college for three years, get drafted as a junior. Like, obviously we all hope that could happen. You know, that's a possibility. Um, but after my freshman year, I was like, Whoa, like I need to, you know, like I said, I need to turn it up a little bit and, and, and put my priorities, get my priorities straight a little bit more. Um, but yeah, that sophomore year, I kind of started getting some letters that fall filling out questionnaires. Um, you know, I was like, okay, I get, yeah, junior year coming up. So, um, yeah, like summer ball and stuff. You see guys, see a couple scouts, talk to them. Um, but yeah, I started filling out those questionnaires and just getting all that stuff out of the way and, you know, trying to treat that as an interview, as they always say, like, if you don't fill this out or, you know, it takes months to fill this out, like, then we can see that you're not on top of your game and, you know, for whatever you're doing. So I was like, get this thing, fill it out, put in the mail, good to go, you know, get this out of the way. So, yeah. Did you see any of the aspects of your junior year coming? Like if someone had, if someone had time traveled and told you like right before your junior year started, like, this is what your numbers are going to look like. Was that something that, I mean, you can be honest. Absolutely not. No, I I mean, (laughs) I thought I would like continue. Like I said, like you're climbing, you're getting better every year. And I know when, every time I talked to, I would talk to scouts or cross checkers, it's like, we want to see you get a little bit better every year in every aspect of your game, whether, you know, you're throwing your game, calling your game, handling your hitting, obviously like your power numbers, everything. Um, but man, I just, I just, it just seemed like it was like a, like kind of like a dream. You know, we were, we were going back and forth, you know, David Herbeck on my team, like we were back and forth, the home run leaders in the nation, um, you know, RBIs. And so, I mean, our team was just clicking, man. And it was like, man, this is what we came here to do. Like we came here to win a ring, but our team was just good. And I think we just fed off each other and it really helped me out obviously with, you know, my career and stuff, but numbers wise, man, I was like, blown away i'm like but what if i did this earlier in my career and i'm like but it's all right i'll take it i'll take it my junior year <laughs> for reference for the listener who might not be as educated on 2011 jmu baseball uh you led the nation with 91 rbis jmu school record 24 home runs hit 359 select 797 you were a baseball america first team all american and johnny bench award winner um, you talked about being consistent and how important that was when you start hitting a lot of home runs. when like the ball starts flying. Cause I, I remember that year you, you were in the, the national league pretty early. Like it, it, it was a thing where you started out hot. Is it, is it tempting to kind of step on the gas and be like, these balls are going out. I'd like even try to swing for the fences even more. Like when you've got that national league, like I guess the cliche thing is to you know, stay within yourself, stay within your approach is that hard when you're you're hitting a bunch of home runs? Like, is it tempting to just turn in, try to turn into Barry Bonds? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were there, you're right though. Like, there were certain times where you kind of had to dial it down. Where you're like, hey man, you gotta stay within yourself. Like, let it happen. Things will happen if you put a good swing on it. You're on time. But there was, I'm not gonna lie, there was definitely times where I was like, you know what? It'd be really cool to hit like a three run homer here. You know, like I'm trying to hit this ball out. Like. And then sometimes it would happen, you know, I wouldn't say all the time would happen, but there was a couple of times where like, I said that to myself and it did. And I was like, all right, like maybe this is just like your mental toughness, just like coming through and, and, and super positive thoughts and your thought pattern. But there were some times where I was like, he's going to hang this change up and I'm going to be on it. you know what I mean? And like, 
think good things happen. And it was like, whoa, <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it, it was a crazy year, man. I, it was obviously like we, my most consistent season. Um, I never really had like a slump, which is hard to do. Even, even if it was only 250 some at bats, but I really didn't like have a couple bad weekends or anything like that. I just kind of stayed consistent, found knocks when I needed to, you know, got guys in, drove guys in, drove the ball around the park. Um, but just as a, as a, as a season, it was definitely my most consistent season. It was a good year to have it. So college pitchers don't adjust like professional pitchers do just matter of data reps, et cetera. But did you notice from like how you were getting pitched in March versus how you were getting pitched in May? Did you notice any differences? I don't usually see that in that count or anything like that. Um, honestly, man, I think it was more like, you know, in college, man, a lot of people don't throw inside, you know, they just kind of stay away, 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 you know, maybe show in, maybe finish in. So for me, I, ne- I didn't want to get away from my approach. If I'm thinking le- I'm a left-handed hitter. So if I'm thinking left center, center field, and the guy throws a ball in, I can stay on and I can keep it fair. Um, but I would notice just more, just more off speed, you know, three O changeups, three O breaking balls. Um, you know, sometimes I'm just like, there's a base open. I'm like, this guy's not going to pitch to me. Um, they're not going to come right after me, even if it's like a, you know, tight, it doesn't matter. Um, but the thing about our lineup was we were so deep is we had, you know, I was, I hit second. We had a guy lead off that was a, you know, freshman all American the year before Johnny Bledel and her back hitting right behind me. I mean, we, there really wasn't a lot of weak spots in our lineup. So if you pitch around me, you're going to get a guy that went in the 15th round. And if you pitch around him, you're going to get a guy that hit, you know, 15 home runs as well. You know what I mean? Like, so we were, we were just so deep and it, and it was just, we just passed the baton and, uh, you know, I, I was just, I was super consistent, but I was super humble or super humble by our lineup. You know, we just picked each other up. So, um, yeah, it was, it was an incredible year. Your experience with the college baseball award circuit, like I mentioned, you know, you, you get all the all American noms from all the various publications, you get the Johnny bench award, um, you know, a lot of attention on you at CA media at the CA banquet. Right. Um, I heard so much attention on you that you, your entire team might've actually forgotten about you and left you at the banquet. Can you speak to that? <laughs> yeah, dude. Like I was, I was doing it. I mean, I was super humbled, obviously, like I was the player of the year and I was doing the, you know, like an interview with somebody and the bus just left. And I was like, I walked outside and there was nobody there. And I'm like, is this a joke? Like, did they really leave me? You know, like I will walk home. I, I'm not afraid to walk, but I like called somebody and then they're like, oh, oh man, are you serious? I'm like, dude, I'm like standing here. I like, look like an idiot. So they rolled back and got me, but um yeah, that was that was funny, man. I forgot about that. What is the the college baseball award circuit like? Is it's not like it's not like the Oscars where they bring every college baseball player in the country and and read things off one by one. Like finding out you you know you won the most prestigious catcher award for a college catcher. What like what is that experience like? Like how was that news delivered? So I got an. I, it was honestly like through email and I and a, and a phone call. Um, so I would get. I was a finalist. So they did like a top nine and then I was named like a third, the top three guys. And it was all, it was all happening so quick, man. Cause I just got drafted. Um, you know, it was still postseason. They were like at the college world series. So they were, they named the finalists and like Mike Zanino was one of the guys and, and Chris O'Brien and Mike was a sophomore and he was in the college world series. So it was like, what is he? I'm like, what is going on? I had just signed. I was out in, um, you know, Niles, Ohio, I'd played like maybe 10, 15 games already. Um, 
So I went out for, I went to Wichita and it was top three, all of us and our families and stuff. We got to, you know, be with Johnny Bench and stuff. So super fun, super humble experience. Um, my, you know, Spanky came, our, our, our uh, head coach and uh, Jason Middleton, our volunteer, and obviously my mom and dad. And it was really fun. They did a really good job. And I won. And I was like, whoa, like did not. Exp- I mean, I, I thought I would win, but I didn't like I was like, you know, this dude went to Wichita State. This dude went to Florida. I mean, I don't know. You know what I mean? So when I won, I was like, wow, that was cool. Did a speech and everything. So then I got flown. I got flew back to my team played a couple games and then the college award shows things started happening. So like I had to go out to Lubbock, um, Texas and Ooh, yeah, it's rough. <laughs> a lot of planes. Yeah. A lot of, uh, yeah. lot of- no, no shouts. If any Texas tech, I, I love, I love Lubbock, but that is, a, that is a brutal, brutal, uh, place to get to no matter where. Yeah. To. I mean, yeah. so it was like myself, Trevor Bauer, Taylor Youngman, Brad Miller, um, uh, Corey Knabel, I mean, like, dude, it was like all these dudes that had not signed yet. And Corey Knabel, I think was a, he was a freshman. Like he was like the stopper of the year. And like, you know, Trevor went third overall and, uh, Brad Miller was a second rounder and young men. It was, a fr- I mean, it was like, these dudes were like asking me questions about it. You know, like, what, what do you do? Like when you go to the field, I'm like, you're asking me, like, you guys are about to sign for like, you know, three to 5 million. Like I'm just hanging out. And I was like, nah, man, it's fun. Like, you know, you wear your shower shoes you know, you hang out and, and uh, make sure you get some shower shoes. I was like telling these guys, man, that was like the number one rule. You know, I'm like, don't mess that up. Um, but I was like, just like practice in college, just kind of do like pregame, you know, but um, that, I thought that was the funniest part, but yeah, like I did that. And then I went somewhere else and I was just exhausted, man. Like, you know, like I love, I love talking to media and stuff and it was fun. It was a great experience, but like, I look back and I'm like, man, that was a long summer playing and like being on planes and, going back and forth. And I'm like, I think, I think the Indians were letting me even do that. Like, I didn't know. I was like, is this like a common thing or is it just cause I won this war? But um, no, it was, it was really cool. I look back and I see some of the pictures on like Facebook memories and I'm like, man, like that was a, that was a good group of dudes. You know, these are all big leaders and guys have played made a ton of money. Um, but yeah, that, that was a crazy year of college baseball. It was really good, a really good class. Well, with that, you mentioned you, you know, you have that, that big year, you, your fourth round pick, you signed quick enough to get in, you know, 54 games in the New York Penn league in short season with hindsight being what it is being a fourth round pick, getting, you know, a little bigger bonus, getting, you know, over 200 K with the, the draft position after the big season, you know, the really overshooting what even you thought you could do going into pro ball as a fourth round pick versus and you know getting 200,000 versus going in as a 14th round pick and getting 10,000 you know hindsight being 2020 how important was that into just being given a chance by the organization and, and giving yourself a chance and having a little bit more breathing room as far as you know your how you were perceived coming into pro ball um learning that part of the game is always tough for players you see guys that maybe like you said, maybe a later round draft picks that don't get as many chances, you know, innings, um, you know, at bats, their, their window's a little bit smaller. Um, myself being a, like you said, being a fourth rounder, um, I had, I had a little bit of a cushion, like you, you know, you can afford to have a bad year, you know, per se, you know, in, in a bad stretch or a bad couple months or whatever, you know, cause they, you know, they have an investment in you and you're a high draft pick. Um, not saying you want to, but at the, at the same time, 
hey man, they're going to give you, they're going to give you the at-bats. You know, you're a fourth rounder. This guy was a free agent sign. Um, that's just the way it's going to be. That's just the way it is. Um, unless this guy outplays you and you do a bunch of bets, you know, whatever it is. But um, for me, knowing that, I, I didn't really know it at first. I just thought, you know, hey, we're all playing our first year of pro ball. Let's let's just play. Like I didn't, I mean, you don't really care what round guys are in. You're just playing baseball. Um, but as you see it later on, as it's a business, um, you can kind of see where like, man, this guy, like this guy hit under 200 for like three years, but he signed for 2 million. I wish I got 2 million, you know, I'd get, you know, 500 at bats a year, no matter what. But, um, but every, if you, once I got to the, to the nationals, I didn't really take any of that for granted. I was like, you know what, if I want to keep playing, I've got to do something to make myself stand out or, you know, make myself valuable to a team, whether you're playing every day, whether you're not. Um, so I always, I always tell guys, it's like two parts of my career. Like the first five years when I was with the Indians, you know, I was a prospect. I, I got, you know, priority treatment. I got to play. I went to big league camps. I, you know, played in the fall league. I did this, that, and the other thing. And then when I went to the nationals, you know, I was more of a role player. Um, I'm not going to say a backup, but I was, a, I was a role player. You know, you, you still go to camp. You're an older guy. You're a veteran presence. And I think it's just a tale of two of two careers, but at the same time, it made me who I am now, as far as like, I got to know a lot more things than I would have if I was playing every single day and I wasn't even focused on these things. And I got to talk to managers and coordinators and kind of, you know, build a, a repertoire with these guys of learning, you know, the ins and outs of the other side of the game. Once you get into pro ball, you're like, you said, you're, you're coming off the season where you really didn't slump. There's there's going to be a come down no matter what from college ball to pro ball. No one leaves college and suddenly hits pro pitching better than they hit college pitching. At least almost no one. Um, you had like you had a solid New York Penn season, uh, your first full season with a little up and down. But is it tough just mentally getting used to a a lower level of performance, even if it's a quality minor league level of performance? But going from the best player in your conference to a, a solid dude. Yeah. I mean, that first year in the Penn League, I led the league in walks, extra base hits, um, you know, top whatever and runs. So I was like, I'm still doing things I love doing. You know, like I still did a good job, I thought, um, you know, average wise, which is one of the stats that probably teams don't even look at as much anymore. Um, I was like, man, like I hit 243 or whatever. And it's like, is that good? Is that bad? Like I hit I had, you know, 55 walks. Like I thought, you know, I thought I'd get, you know, whatever. Um but your expectations of yourself are still so high, you know, still sky high. Um, so that next year, like you said, I was an up and down year. Um, I skipped low A, went to high A. Um, I just had a really good spring training, man. I don't know if I was slated to go to high A or not. You'll have to ask Ross Atkins if you ever get him on the, you know, get him on the podcast. But um, I went to uh, I went to high A and I was playing with older competition, older guys. And like I said, it was kind of one of those years where I was trying to prove my, I was trying to do too much. And I ultimately got sent down to low A and I felt way more relaxed. I was with guys that I got drafted with, Lindor, Jordan Smith, Bryce Amato. I was with guys I was playing with. Um, I had a comfortability with my manager was a guy I had in short season and um, just played better, played, you know, just better. Everything was better. Um, but I also didn't help myself. It was not in good shape, man. It was a full season. I thought I could just crush the, uh, the Taco Bell Mountain Dew stuff that whole season. And that was not... It's not it, man. Metabolism slowing down. I'm, 
Not behind the plate either. Not behind the plate, man. Did not look good in a uniform. I, I'll tell you what, I did not feel confident, but uh, had a great offseason. So I, I I made some goals. I made a ton of adjustments. And, and I re- another another learning curve, man. I'm like, dude, if I want to stick around this game, I can't be looking like this. I can't be playing like this heavy. So um, that was something that I really um, paid attention to, cleaned up my diet and stuff. And I was like, just another thing that I added on to my – to my toolbox of knowing, you know, trying to know myself and, and, and have a longevity of a career. And I kind of mentioned earlier that big season got you a, a bigger bonus than say like a 14th round pick or a senior sign. Did that allow you to keep yourself in a little better shape as you know, once you learned how to actually do that, once you, you know, learn dieting, was it, was it a little easier to go through the minors that you, you know, you didn't have, you didn't have seven figures sitting, but to have at least a little living money to go, against you know the this glorious minor league baseball paychecks definitely uh knowing that i didn't have to like work as much in the off season you know i could do camps and clinics and 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 be at the academy um and do some baseball stuff but i not knowing that five six years later it was like okay this isn't you know if you want to continue to not get paid in the off season you got to find a way to get paid in the off season so um you're right. I was able to kind of like work out on my own time, um, you know, pick kind of my hours. Um, and then later in my career, you know, you get a family, you get married, you have kids and stuff. It's like, okay, my window is from this time to this time. I got to find someone that can help me at this time. Um, and I got to work during the day, which is totally fine. That's part, I mean, I'm like, if I, I would never, you know, I played 10 years and if I had to work every off season, I wouldn't care. I would do it over again in a heartbeat. Like I still work in the off season, even though I get paid year round, I don't care. Um, but you just, you just, you just find a way, man. And like, we talk about all the time with guys I play with, it's like, dude, you played, you know, however many years it's like, dude, that's an accomplishment. And I don't care if you only played like 50 games. Like, I don't care if you were on the, you know, the IL the whole time, like, dude, you found a way to make it to the next season. You know what I mean? Like, it's not easy. Like, and especially with some of these guys not on free agent minor league deals and making, making salaries and stuff. Um, you know, I, I pride myself on just like accomplishing things like, I mean, I finished my degree after I, I left and um, I worked and, and uh, continue working in the education system to just have a routine and, and be on the same hours as my wife and stuff. But um, yeah, you definitely the first couple of years, you had a little bit more time and, you know, a little bit more of a breathing room. You're, you know, you got some money in the bank. Where you're like, I don't really need to work. I just need to work out and, and hit and do this stuff and the other thing. So um, definitely. Like I said, tale of two careers, tale of, you know, five years and five years. So you mentioned you got drafted with Lindor. Did your time in, in Lake County, did that also coincide with when Jose Ramirez was there? Cause he was there for, for part of that season hitting just about everything. Oh yeah, dude, Jose, Jose came up. So I had just gotten to Lake County probably right off the all-star break. So just say like the first week in July or whatever. And he was in short season that year. So he went to extended spring training where the games don't count. He went to short season, played like 10 games in Mahoney Valley and came up to us. We, I think we sent up a guy from that played second mostly. So our up the middle, we had Urshela or no, we did not have Urshela. He was in high, but we had Lindor and Jose Ramirez up the middle. And I kid you not, I tell guys all the time, like, dude, this guy played half a season with me in low a, and he got a hundred hits. And I'm like, do you not, you know what half a season is, you know, it's like 65, 70 games. I'm like, he got a hundred hits in 65, 70 games. And they're like, no way, no way. Like, look it up. I'm like, dude, he hit like 350 with a hundred hits. I was like, I didn't even get a hundred hits on the whole season. <laughs> like this is, this is unbelievable. You know what I mean? 
Um, and then the next year we were all a double A together and it was like, and then he was in the big leagues and obviously he's unbelievable. And, um, but dude, that year I was like, this guy's, who is this guy? I don't even remember him. You know, this dude's like doing, he's like doing a drill in the box, like doing a walk up in the box and like slapping a ball down the third baseline and running a second for a double. I'm like, who is this dude? But dude, we were, we had some who's who on that team, man, that we had a bunch of good dudes. Yeah, and it was that year of Lindor kind of getting his feet wet with the professional baseball, and then that next year started turning into the the guy who has all the money in the world now. <laughs> um, so not to uh, – is it hard to focus on hitting, like especially as you go up the ladder when you've got this difficult defensive job as well, not to like single out a left fielder or something, but it, it's just not the same level of physical and mental work going into catching. So how do you, how do you balance both as a professional? No, that's a great question. Um, I think it's regarded around baseball, especially in professional baseball that, Hey man, he might not be hitting up to what he did in maybe high school or college because he's doing so much other stuff with the pitching staff. Um, you know, early work catching stuff, like it takes a toll on your body. Obviously it's, you know, it's a full season, you know, 140, 162 games, wherever you're playing. And I think it's just expected. So that's why it's so rare that you have a Buster Posey, um, a Mike Zanino, these guys that have just like they've hit at every level and they continue to be good behind the plate. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's so it, that's what like, you know, they're top five catchers in the game because of things that they've done on both sides of the of the plate. But as a as a player, you just like you expect yourself, your expectations are sky high. You have them up wherever, you know, I want to hit this number. I want to try to get to this. If I have this many at bats, I think I can do this. I can do this you tell yourself these things, but at the same time, some of these things, you got to like bring yourself back to reality and be like, I just played seven out of nine days. You know, we had two extra inning games and like you, you cut yourself a break in certain things, but it's like, Hey man, you still got to foot. This is the other side of the game. You still got to hit, you know, but you're also, you're playing in 95 degree weather. And you're trying to like hydrate yourself in the dugout in between innings while the pitching coach talking to you and the, in the pitcher that you're with. I mean, there's so many, you're right though. It's so many other things. It's not like someone's coming to tell the left fielder, you know, this, that, and the other thing, it's like, they pull out their card and they're like, take two steps to the right. Got it. Sweet. You know what I mean? So, well, even before opening day, like, can you walk me through catcher spring training? Oh. Just the, the physical toll of that people in spring training, every staff member just knows whether you're on, you know, it doesn't matter what team you're on. All 30 organizations know that catchers just get, they just get molly whopped in spring training, man. Like you are like catching sides for dudes. You don't even know but it's sometimes it's like an honor to go catch a guy in the big leagues and do this. And you might just miss hitting that day. And it's just like, Oh, it's all right. He'll like I'll throw to him later. And then later might not ever come. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, one year when I was with the Indians, we had a, our field coordinator is Rob Leary. who's a scout now. Um, he was a coach in the big leagues and stuff with the Marlins, but he, he would just let all the, with the catchers wouldn't do any of the hitting stuff. Like you would do your early hitting and then go out through your whole day shag do you know whatever pfps you know bump play whatever the you know defensive fundamental was and at the end of the day when like we had like no legs or anything he would just throw us bp and that was like our fun and like let all the staff like pick up the balls and we just left and i'm like that was cool <laughs> i was like i mean i'd rather be eating lunch right now but i mean that was cool <laughs> so you um you mentioned you get up to double a you get up to double a you know pretty quickly um, you know, comparatively, you're, you know, 22 turning 23, you hit 270, your first 70 games of double A. Um, you're on base at a good clip. 
what agreed with you in your first run in double a that didn't so much your next few years that kind of started the slide of your prospect status as you alluded to well i think going into 13 i was like really trying to prove myself as like a as a player as a prospect like you said i got to double a kind of because Jan Gomes went from triple a the big leagues um and then roberto perez who was in double a with me for a little bit he went to triple a um so i kind of stepped into that role and i hit really well like you said, and, and stuck around and ended up being there the whole time. And um, I don't know, it, it was just like, like another good year. Like I was in good shape. Um, I, I knew what to expect. It was my second full season. Um, I just kind of knew what to expect. So of myself and, and as the season went on, and I think like being the first year in that league, a lot of guys said, you know, I'm hitting in the eight, nine hole guys are just throwing me fastballs and see if I can hit it, you know, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, I wasn't striking out a ton. Um, and then the next year in 14, I, I got hit in the face. I broke my face. Um, you know, that I'm not saying that made me a worse player or, you know, made me do worse. And I didn't make it to the big leagues because of that. But um, that definitely that season was kind of like a mulligan. Like I was like, you know, I was going through some stuff like my eye was um, like I had some uh, pop blood vessels that didn't like heal properly all the way through. Um, until maybe yeah typically breaking your face is never yeah, a good thing. <laughs> I know I mean it, it was my fault I didn't get out of the way you know I was, I was hitting and you know some of these fields don't have the best lighting but that's not an excuse um, I was trying to stay in on a lefty and whatever um, so I missed like 10 weeks or whatever and I, it was just a it was a weird year I'd never been hurt really before um, and I just I just didn't I just wasn't that good I, I really wasn't it wasn't anything it was probably more mental than physical um, and then the next season I was playing a little bit more first base. Um, we had Tony Walters who was catching they kind of transformed into a catcher. Um, so I, I wasn't really behind the dish, but, but so much, um, and my at-bats they're like, Hey man, your at-bats are coming first. I'm like, all right, cool. No problem. And, um, I just, I just didn't hit, man. I had a good, I had a good like month or two. And then they were like, Hey, we're going to scale your at-bats back. And I was like, okay. And then. You know, you, you don't play. I wasn't used to that role. You know, I wasn't used to not playing, um, you know, a change of scenery. Maybe if I went to AAA out of spring training, which I thought I was doing, uh, but then somebody didn't make the big league. So then everyone got kind of pushed back. Um, you know, maybe that would have, you know, changed something. But hindsight's twenty twenty. It's just one of those things that, hey, man, I just did not have a good year. And there wasn't really any excuses. I just, just didn't have a good year. And then uh, the next spring training, um, I got released and then I signed pretty quick with the Nats. And then, you know, like I said, kind of like the tale of two, you know, two careers, but, um, wasn't any one thing. I, I think it was just a, I just wasn't, I was, I was unlucky. You know, I don't know what it was exactly. It just, if you're not getting consistent at bats, you're not used to that role and you don't like take it on full fully. It can, it can be, it can be deteriorating mentally and physically and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it was. Kind of interested in the other side of the coin of this is now you're now you're a manager. Manager is not not the same as like a coach per se. It's not like you know he's not he's not it's not your duty to get in you know get into the cage with the guy who's struggling every day or do whatever he might. But it's not you know when you're the manager when you're leading the team and something that maybe you saw your managers do something you've had I'm sure you've had you know you had players struggle last year when a guy is struggling and it's not, you know, this isn't just like a college team. You're not, you know, this is, this is this guy's job. This is a livelihood. This is a great mental stress. What's kind of the duty of a manager. What's the best thing a manager can do for a, a struggling player. Is it just shoot him straight or is there, there's something else. 
No, like you said, I've had plenty of managers that have, you know, taken you off to the side, you know, have a one-on-one conversation or have someone else there with you. Um, and just kind of go over like, listen, man, like you're not the first dude to ever struggle, you know, like you're going to play every day, man. Like they, they think we think so highly of you or whatever it is. Um, you, you know, you, know, you want to kind of boost their confidence up and, and, and kind of let them know that like, it's okay if you don't get a hit in the first two at bats of this next game, even after this talk, it's going to happen, you know, like it's the law of averages. You're going to, you know, average yourself out, but I'm like, but here's the other side. Here's the stuff that we, you know, we've talked about that I want you to try to keep doing, you know, you know, making sure we're, you know, we're on a routine or whatever it is for that specific player. Um, I know I had some of that, those talks down in Florida last year with a lot of guys um, and just kind of like relaying the message that, Hey man, like I've been a prospect. I've been a suspect. I've been released. I've been promoted. I've been demoted. I've been, I've been in Florida or, you know, extended spring training with no clue of what's going to happen. I've been in triple. I mean, like I've kind of been everywhere in, in the minor leagues and in, in every kind of scenario, you know, whether it's because I played 10 years or because of things that have happened, but it's like, dude, we're not going to panic. You know, this is, this is the, like you said, this is our livelihood. Um, we're here to help you. I'm, I'm in player development for a reason. Um, and I'm going to rely on a lot of experiences to, to help you. So um, those conversations are definitely had throughout a season. <laughs> I can tell you that. One of the things, even when things probably weren't as cool in Akron or, or going as well, is Akron's in the Eastern League, uh, Richmond also in the Eastern League, your hometown. I don't know if the Diamond was the, the first place you saw professional baseball. It was the first place I saw professional oh, yeah. baseball when I was a kid, but I'm sure, you know, 100%. It, was, it, was, it was a spot, man. There's no, nowhere like it. So what was that? And I guess we're going just hyper niche Richmond on this podcast. What was it like? playing your first game as a professional, the diamond dude. Um, it was awesome because it was the 4th of July. Oh, and I would always go to 4th of July games as a kid. You know, we would say we were probably literally at the same game, it was literally the same game, except we're double A and you know, we weren't the Braves, but, um, that day I went, dude, I can remember like I went three for five. I hit a home run. I had like five RBIs. Um, we won the game and it was fireworks obviously. So like my, I think I was engaged. Yeah. I think I was engaged. My fiance was, you know, or my wife now, obviously, but she was on the field with me. Like, you know, I'm doing interviews with guys like I did in high school. Like I was like, man, if I could just do this every night, like I would be in the big leagues tomorrow. You know what I mean? But uh, man, it was, it was awesome. I had a great series um, and it was right before the all-star break. So it was like, I ended, we had like five games and like, I, I hit like two home runs and had a bunch of, I mean, it was just like, you couldn't like, you know, make a more of a story than it was. I mean, it was unbelievable. I had a great time and I did well. I, I performed and I was like nervous. I was like, man, I don't want to, you know, to be terrible. You know, like I've got people here, you got family here. Um, but I did quite the opposite, had a good series. And uh, I was like, if I could do this every time when I come to Richmond, people won't even like look at my average if it's terrible, you know what I mean? On the scoreboard. So, but it was awesome, man. Yeah, there. I know a lot of cities love their minor league teams, but like Richmond and the Diamond and like the Braves when we were growing up, the Squirrels now is just it's a different. We we visited my grandparents over Christmas, and, and they live in Richmond. And my my wife and I were driving past the Diamond. I'm just like pointing like a maniac, like I love it. that's it, that's the Diamond. That's and she's it. like, that's it, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I loved it, man. I love I. I mean, there's just like I played there in high school, I played there in college, and and, and pro ball with like. And we went there as kids every 4th of July. I had my birthday party there. You know, when, I mean, dude, just so many memories there. Yeah, it's the best. Special it's the best. So 
you mentioned you get released, you get picked up by the Nats. Um, I can't imagine in there, you know, when they picked you up, they were like, oh, you're going to play every day. This is going to be great. <laughs> I'm sure you wouldn't have kept resigning right. if they had you know, only played you as, as little as they did. But as a role player, you know, you said you gone from prospect to admittedly non-prospect role player guy. Now, what do you pick up about baseball playing part-time that you maybe can't do as a regular? No, it's a, it's a great point is you kind of understand that every, you can't take any day for granted. So like I said, like that year, it was like my son or my son was going to be born in September. I was like, man, I'm finishing school. Like I'm doing everything. <laughs> I'm trying to like play baseball at the same time. Um, so you're juggling a lot of things. That September due date is right. You, you got guys, we cannot make the playoffs. Right. Like, <laughs> I was like, man, I really hope like, I hope I'm somewhere, but I hope and I'm like, I'm don't worry about these dates, like whatever. Um, but you kind of, you kind of see some things that you don't normally see as if you were playing every day. So, you know, you don't, you get to hang on the bullpen a little bit more and, and get these guys maybe tuned up. And it's like, I'm going to take pride in getting this guy ready for his outing because he's going to pitch today. If he throws two innings, he's going to have two days off. He's not going to pitch for, you know, three days, essentially. It's like, I'm going to give this guy my best effort. So I would try, and I was kind of, I was with one of my friends, um, now one of my better friends, Matt Reisetter, and he was kind of in a similar role as, as me. Um, and I kind of just showed him some things that I thought would be beneficial for him. He was in maybe his second full season. And, you know, we, we, we hit it off right away. Had a great friendship, played at Hofstra. Um, but man, it was, it was fun to kind of just see the other side of the game and be like, Hey man, we gotta, this is what you gotta do. You gotta anticipate these things happening. All right, look, see this guy's getting ready. He wants him. Okay, good to go. I'm like, let me know when you're ready. I'll let, you know, just a lot of things that you like as a starter, you you're not in the bullpen ever, really. You're only going to catch these guys in the game, which is no fault of your own. And then, uh, you know, being in the dugout, sitting next to the manager, kind of like going over things. I'm like, what are you thinking here? You know, going over scenarios. Why are you playing this guy in? What, why are we playing this guy to the left? Or, you know, why are we doing no doubles? And he would just kind of quiz me, Trip Keister, who is our double-A manager now. Um, just kind of kind of playing this, like, kind of like assistant coach, bullpen coach, hybrid baseball player role thing. And, um, and then when your numbers call, man, like you're ready to post every day. So, um, that's, that's the beauty of it. It's like, you, you might be sitting next to the skipper today and then, Hey man, you're playing tomorrow. I'm like, sweet. I can't wait. Tomorrow's my day. Tomorrow's my day. So I could see those at bats going one or two ways. Like, you know, if it's like high intensity of like, man, I might, I, you know, I don't know when I'm going to play again. Got to make the most of this or just ultra relaxed of, yeah, whatever. Oh yeah. Like (laughs) does it, does it, which, which way does it go? I would try to go the latter, man. But a lot of times it was the first one where you're like, dude, I haven't hit like, we were like, when was my last at bat? Like six weeks ago. All right. I'm going to go up here and like, I better do this and that. And you're like, it's just like non-realistic, but everyone knows it on your team. Like it just seemed like, I don't know if it was cause you know, I was getting older. I was playing, you know, guys understood, but like, dude, if you did really well, man, the dudes in the bullpen and your teammates were like going crazy. It was awesome. It was like, almost like they're cheering more for you than maybe the other guys. Um, and you're like, dude, maybe they just recognize that this, this role is not for everybody and you got to embrace it. Um, and then, you know, if you didn't get a hit or something, but like they see, they know that you care and how much you care. Um, and guys would be like, Hey man, like, you know, you would, you know, not that they wouldn't say like, Hey man, you went over, but you like save the game. Like you caught shutout and stuff. Like just take your, you just take pride in different things of the game. No matter if you're, you know, over five with, you know, five punch outs, but you caught a shutout, like 
you got to take pride in the little things that you, you know, you won the game, you, you were on a good game playing good game calling with the pitchers and, or you hit the game winning home run and you're like, Hey man, I'm going to be on the, probably not going to be on the roster tomorrow. I'll be on the, you know, the DL or whatever. Um, so it, it was fun. You, I definitely had both, both sides of it though. What were your conversations like with the nationals or management or anything while you were playing about, Hey, I think I you know want to make a run at, at coaching, managing, whatever, when I'm done, like how much of that was, was an apprenticeship as you got into the later stages of your career? Um, I would say in the off seasons, um, when I, when I was talking to my agent just kind of like, let them know, like, you know, I want to play again. Um, you know, fi- you know, filter out for teams or whatever. Um, they, the nationals kind of came to me and were like, this is a guy that we would, we really see like maybe becoming, um, you know, a, a coach later in his career. I know that's something he's talking to, you know, I talked to skippers about, you know, some of my managers, um, just kind of like mentioned it. I was like, I'd love to coach when I'm done, you know, like this is something I want to do. And, you know, they're like, a lot of times they'd be like, oh, yeah, I heard that, you know, whatever. Um, but I would say the last like two years, um, it was more like, you know, well, you, Hey, let us know when you're, when you're done, you know, let us know. And, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get something going and we'll try to find a role for you and ended up being good timing with, you know, the, obviously being a manager right out of the bat too. a lot of guys end up being like a player coach or, uh, you know, maybe just a, you know, geared towards hitting or an extra coach or something like that. So, um, super fortunate to become a manager, um, my first year and, and obviously continuing that in Fredericksburg, but, um, it, you know, like I said, it was something I always wanted to do, but a lot of times, you know, you just have, you have to make that decision. Like you gotta be, you gotta empty the tank and not be, Hey, I've got one more year left in me hitting, you know, I want to play it's Sometimes it's like, you gotta make that decision, but you gotta, you gotta empty the tank. You can't have regrets or anything. So with that, you, your first year was managing in the complex league one, you know, it's, it's first time out pretty much for everyone. First year of professional baseball. Um, it's a little, it's a little different than being out in short season. Like, you know, like you had, or the, you know, um, the traveling rookie ball leagues, and then now with, you know, heading, heading to the Carolina league, kind of different animal. Most of those guys will not almost everyone not going to be their first year. Um, a couple more season guys with how you, you know, what, what are the differences in jobs of a manager in that first year in the complex league or like, you know, reaching back to your manager in short season where I'd imagine most of your teammates, it was their first year in pro ball versus, you know, you obviously the, the season is yet to come, but kind of a different element of, of guy, a little more veteran guy. What are the, what are the differences in the jobs of those two managers? Yeah. I mean, in, in, in rookie ball, you're kind of dealing with a lot of, a lot of guys that maybe, like you said, it's like their first time playing a season. They're coming off an extended spring training where none of the games count. A lot of the, you're just practicing, you're seeing all your teammates or former, you know, all your friends playing games up in, you know, Fredericksburg or um, Wilmington, wherever, you know, wherever our affiliates are you know, any organization and seeing guys like, you know, like, man, like I could be up there or whatever. Um, you're kind of dealing with some of these guys. Maybe they thought they were going to make a team and they didn't. You kind of have to, Hey man, you, you know, you're probably the first guy out of here. You know, something happens like you're the first guy out. You got to keep some of these guys motivated. And then some of the guys you got to, Hey man, like they don't know any better. So they're just thinking, they're just happy to be here. And you keep these guys kind of like, and Hey man, we're going to practice every day, but we're going to practice stuff that happens in games and games situations and things, whether you play every day, you know, look at, look around, there's six catchers, like you got to find time for all these guys. You know, if you go to Fredericksburg, there's only three, you know what I mean? So um, just got to remember that, like, you gotta, you gotta make time for everybody. 
Um, and then you have the rehab guys that are down there that are guys that are trying to get back, you know, healthy, whether they come off a surgery or an injury. So you got to keep these guys kind of like in the loop, like, Hey man, you know, when's your, when's your next bullpen? I, you know, I want to be there for it. Obviously you're there, but um, you want to keep these guys motivated to get better and get healthy. Um, so it's a kind of, it's a mix of everything. So you're, you're, you're down in Florida. You're kind of just, you know, managing guys that are all different stages. You got older guys, you got veteran guys. Then you got like young guys, like I said, they're just like, you know, fresh from the Dominican or Venezuela, they're coming over. They're just getting used to, they're looking around. They don't really know what's going on and they're getting used to the complex. And then you got the guys that are like kind of, you know, pissed off that they're there. And, um, and then on the other side of things, you got guys at Fredericksburg that are like, man, I made the can't, you know, I got to trek up North to Fredericksburg, like I'm on top of the world. This isn't my first year. Um, I made the team out of camp or you got guys that are pissed that are there. that are like, Hey man, I uh, thought I was going to be in high, a, but I'm here. Um, again, you know, so, um, it's similar things. You gotta like, you, you gotta manage the people and get these guys to believe in one thing that like, we're going to, Hey man, you might be the first guy out of here, but like, I need you to be here. You know, I need you to be present here. Um, you know, the other alternative is you can go home, you know? So you like, uh, you, you know, you just kind of like put things in perspective. Like, I know you're maybe mad that you're here or you're not happy, but there's other, you could go home. You could not be here you know, be happy you have a uniform. And then you got guys that are, it's their first year, their first full season where you got to kind of baby them. And, hey man, you're going to, you might go over three games. It's going to be all right. You're probably still going to, you know, look at yourself at the end of the year, you're going to hit 275. Like, you know, you're, you're really good. So um, it's definitely, and then, and as a player, you know, hey man, like kind of know that I, I kind of know this league. I've been around a little bit. I know there's a good spot downtown, you know, eat a Jack Browns in Salem and, you know, we'll do some good stuff here and, and, uh, oh, shout out Jack Brown, shout out Jack Brown's man, JMU alumni here. Uh, but yeah, you know, you know, some of the spots and you, you take some guys on your wings and, and, uh, and, and roll with it. But, um, it's definitely a, uh, it, it's a whirlwind because there's no short season anymore. So you're going to get some guys that it's their first time playing under lights. And I was talking to somebody the other day, I was like, these guys have never played a night game. I mean, in professional baseball. So, you know, going to Fredericksburg, it's, it's a little different, but you get used to it. Just, you know, you, you roll with, you, you adapt or die. So my, my last big question for you is if you could go back, give yourself a pep talk right after signing with Cleveland, give that, give that 20 year old guy a pep talk. What does that, what does that pep talk look like? Dude, I'd be like, I'm going to wait a little bit more and get more money. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait it out a little <laughs> you're not, bit. You're gonna, not playing this summer. Yeah. I'm going to wait it out and get a little bit more money. Um, yeah. It was a shame the next year they changed the draft and everything everything doubled and tripled and stuff, but no, uh, first thing I would do, I would just let yourself know that, you know, like it doesn't matter if you go over the world, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to play for a long time, but, um, just, just take, don't take anything for granted, man, is you don't know what the, you know, what the future hold and, and, uh, you know, you don't know what, what's going to happen. So just take it one day at a time. Don't feel like you gotta, you know, be the, be the coolest guy on the team or whatever. Like, I just want to play, play the game and, and, and take everything serious and don't be so busy, be more productive, you know? So I don't want to be rushing to do things. I want to be more productive and, and plan things out and, and uh, different things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's made me who I am um, as far as playing and, and, and now in the, in the managing and coaching. So um, I, I definitely don't have any regrets with it. A little rapid fire for you. Then I'll let you get out of here. I got you. Favorite minor league ballpark? The Diamond. Diamond. I knew, uh, that, that was that was kind of a layup. <laughs> uh, favorite CAA ballpark from when you were in college, Jamie, does not count. Wilmington, man. UNC Wilmington. 
This, this is one I, I got from a, a teammate of yours. What is the best brand of ranch dressing? Hidden Valley. <laughs> Hidden, Hidden Valley, the, the classics. <laughs> best pitcher you ever faced? Rolls Chapman. Tell me how that went. <laughs> oh, Cincinnati was making him a starter um, in spring training. And they want because obviously he signed for a ton of money. And dude, the Akron Arrows of that year, just absolutely tattooed him in spring training. I hit a bomb. I think Jesus Aguilar took him oppo. Um, it was like a, I was like, who is this guy? This guy's Rolls Chapman. <laughs> I was like, that was cool. <laughs> so that was, that was a cool day. Best pitcher you ever caught? Uh, Carlos Carrasco. That's a good one. Last one. When I asked everyone, do you have a nightmare bus ride story from the minor leagues? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I'll keep it PG, but <clears throat> a couple nights or we were in short season and dudes were just having a good time. You know, there were some drinks and there was some, a ton of trash bags everywhere. And I was laying on the floor trying to sleep. And one of the bags, which I'm sure no one really cared, but it had a hole in it. And I woke up like from like, you know, having my headphones on and I was just a pool of drink on the floor, beer, whatever. And it was just like all over my body and clothes. And I was so mad and I didn't know what to do because everyone's having a good time. And I was like, just tired. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to do. So I just like sat up and I was like, we were doubling up because everyone's the first year guy, you know, everyone's sitting together. And I thought my roommate was going to like kill me because I smelled so bad. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Um, but no, man, that was, that was probably the worst. I mean, I'll keep it PG, but yeah, <laughs> it was just, at least you got the worst one out of the way your first year. Yeah. Yeah. No question. I mean, I don't know if it's just cause I was playing at upper levels all the way, you know, later in my career where guy, you know, we had some, most of the time we had two buses and you could kind of lay out and spread out, whatever. A lot of guys drove different places, but yeah, I mean, some, some good times. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing like the bus. Jake Lowry, that's all I got for you. Thanks so much for joining from Phenom to the Farm. No problem, Colin. Enjoyed it, man. And that's it for today's episode of From Phenom to the Farm. Big thanks to Jake Lowry for joining us, walking us through his career. As always, remember subscribe to BaseballAmerica.com and the BA Podcast feed. Top 100 season, college baseball season. Episodes of From Phenom to the Farm drop every other Tuesday. Subscribe to get the next one in your feed. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening.